Wow, turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. And uh, let me just say again, thank you for your kindness, your hospitality. Um, I try to write thank you notes and give appreciation, but with COVID, I can't write thank you notes, you know. Everybody uses that for an excuse. I'm, I'm using it. I, why, why can't I? It's because of COVID. <laughs> um, in our town, Amro, Wisconsin's a little burg outside of Oshkosh, and I live out in the country two and a half miles from town. And my brother and I one day decided after milking, and it was a summertime, and there was a bakery. And this bakery in our town had Persians, I don't know what you guys call them here, but they're like a cinnamon roll that's got white frosting on them, and then they got nuts on top, right? Well, Persians, I, I believe, will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> Almost positive. I, I couldn't prove it in the Bible, but I know it's the food of the gods. It is what the manna was in the Old Testament. <laughs> but we rode our bikes two and a half miles into town, took our egg money, and with us it really was egg money. We raised chickens and candled the eggs and sold eggs to the grocery store and then got egg money, eggs and angleworms. We sold angleworms to the fishermen and eggs to the store. And we went to this bakery and there were two twin old maids. They'd never been married, two ladies in their 70s who ran this bakery. And I don't know how they were skinny as a rail. If I ran a bakery, I'd be an elephant. And, and I mean, that's just the truth. And so, wow, we're there. And I put my quarter up. They were 15 cents a piece. And I had a quarter. And my brother had a quarter. And we each asked for a Persian. And that lady opened the back of the case. And, of course, we're looking at these shelves that are slanted toward us, you know. And there's, you know, 15, 20 Persians in there. And she looked and looked and found the very biggest one. Now, hey, hey, hey. She got that and set that up on the counter and then got the other one, the big one, and put that up on the counter on a napkin and took our money. And I just couldn't help. I was just... Hey, that was really sweet that you would give us two young guys the two biggest ones in the case. And so I remarked upon it, and I said, hey, I just want to thank you. I know it doesn't mean much to you, but it means a lot to me that you looked and got the very biggest ones. I noticed that. And with the sweetest smile, she looked at me and said, 
I do that for every customer. You should have been here at seven. I learned from that. So now it's 2021, and I have these books I'm trying to sell, and several of the titles are gone. So tonight, I'm recommending the one on prophecy. <laughs> That's the one you should have. And because I have four or five of them left, I'm pretty sure Everybody here needs a book of prophecy. Um, if it can be a help to you, listen, I am so thankful for your kindness to me. And I just take that blue envelope and hand it to the treasurer and they pay the print shop. I don't see that money. But thank you for making me feel loved. And here in the scriptures, I want to just... Uh, Spend a little bit of time tonight. I'll leave tomorrow when I wake up. I'm going to go straight to bed tonight. When I wake up, I'm going to try. It's a 14-hour drive to my house. And if I get too tired, I'll bunk in someplace. But I'm going to try to make it home. And uh, if you'll stand with me, please. We'll look at Nehemiah and chapter 8. You can have messages about obedience and holiness and separation and the King James Bible. And I know, you know, for me, it's kind of a no-brainer because I know your pastor believes like me and preaches and teaches on these things. And so it's not like this is some kind of stark news that uh, takes a lot of explanation. You're well taught, and I know many of you have been walking with the Lord for years and years, so it makes it easy for me. Uh, I'm a happy person. I like being around happy people. I, uh, I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Here in Nehemiah chapter 8 and down to verse number 10, we'll just read one verse for our text, but I'd like you to read it aloud with me. Nehemiah 8 and verse number 10 together. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to preach tonight for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you that you can put a song in our lips. You can put a lilt in our voice. You can put joy in so many things, sins forgiven, a hope for the future, wonderful relationships, the freedom of forgiveness, the wonderful... Uh, enjoyment of Christian fellowship. You've been mighty good to us. Would you help us tonight as we look at the scriptures, I pray. And I ask that you would, for Freedom Baptist Church, 
Help the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Yes, it's true. We find strength in purity. Yes, it's true that we endure and grow through suffering. And Lord, it's also true that from time to time you make us stretch our faith. And God, there are times that trials have a way of exercising us to where we just more and more depend on you. But Lord, tonight we want to just celebrate and rejoice that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We claim it now tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I got saved in 1969, and I wasn't one of these crybabies before that, and I wasn't one of these skeptics and cynics. I've always seen humor in a lot of things. I think some things are just funny. I, I see a lot of things that I think are funny that other people don't think are funny. And so I always have to try to put a filter. My, my filter has holes in it. Um, but I have to kind of be a little, little careful about some of the things I say. But um, joy is different than just being silly or funny. And it's not the same as just happiness. I'm, I'm happy as a person, but joy is a deeper thing. Joy is something that just kind of wells up out of a person and just kind of identifies them. I was in a church preaching, and I don't know why it is, but women, when my wife travels with me, the women all feel sorry for my wife. Now, I treat her too good. She is spoiled rotten. So don't countenance her with any, any of this. And so one, <laughs> one weekend I'm preaching and my wife is there at the church and uh, I, I have a good time wherever I go. I'm not good at putting on the dog. I don't pretend. If there's one thing you know about me, Randy King is genuine. What you see is what you get. It's not make-believe. And this woman <laughs> comes up to my wife at the back door and she says, tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. Is he like that all the time? <laughs> and my wife says, he's like that all the time. He's like that at home. He's like that in the car. He's like that. And she goes, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> like being with me. Why wouldn't she want to be with me? <laughs> and I'm saying, I, I love my life. And I'm saying that there's a lot of things that I want to talk about tonight, but I just want to start by saying the joy of the Lord is our strength. The, if you just think of every human as we go through this journey, you don't suppose I made it through life without having bad things happen to me, right? 
You don't suppose I got to be 70 years of age without some very, very sad, 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 sad circumstances. I'm human. My daughter, who was brutally raped at 15 and lost any hope of purity and went from being the most bubbly, effervescent girl I've ever seen to being withdrawn and sullen and morose and grievous. Started making some wrong decisions, but she turned 18, went off to Bible college, and while she was in Bible college, called and said, Daddy, I'm pregnant out of wedlock. That was 12 hours from my house to there. I've got other children. I've got a church. I got a ministry. I've got every kind of person that's going to have a thousand different reactions to what about a pastor who has this? So, you know, I offered my resignation. I'm saying to you, drive with a wife. The Bible says a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Nobody senses shame like a woman does. Nobody bears it like a mother. And to drive for 12 hours nonstop except for gas to a wife weeping convulsively for 12 straight hours. I don't want to go. Turn around. What are we going to do? I'm saying to you, don't mistake ever that I don't know what pain is or hurt or personal challenges. Uh, if, 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 if you have that impression, you just simply don't know me. And I learned a long time ago, life goes on and you have to face the challenges. You're not master of everything. I was so grieved and helpless. And I'm saying to you, understand what I'm preaching tonight, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It would be a great miscarriage of justice for you to think, well, yeah, but he just had it all. No, no. I can tell you lots of stories. But they asked 
this guy who was a gifted speaker who was commonly asked to go speak at famous conferences, and he was asked, what was the most difficult time you ever had? What was the most difficult speech you ever gave? He's one of these orators and persuasive guys, and, and he said, oh, that's, that's easy. He says, the hardest time I ever had was to go speak at the National Conference of Undertakers, and the topic they assigned me was how to look sad at a funeral where you're making $10,000. <laughs> I mean, you've seen undertakers. Oh. <laughs> how to look sad at a funeral where you're making $10,000. Well, that's the way I feel most of the time. The Bible says... Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And I care. I'm a white corpuscle where the infection is. I run to it. I don't run from danger. I don't run from hurting. When someone's going through deep waters, Randy King is there to hug them and love them and pray with them. But most of the time, I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat, bebopping along at 98.6 having a good time because I love life. I enjoy life. And I, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You'd say, well, wow, what about if you... Look, somebody's got to be on the top side. You can't stand up behind the sacred desk and say, the grace of God is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Hey, don't forget we're on the winning side. Hey, everybody cheer up. And then you walk around like this and you're the pastor. Right? If God can't help him, how's he going to help the rest of us? Right? Isn't that the truth? Somebody's got to be on the top side. Somebody's got to walk in victory. Somebody's got to say, hey, he buoyed me through this. Hey, this is what they said. This is a crap sandwich no matter how you eat it. Some, sometimes things come your way that you just, it don't matter. You just have to slog through it. But at the end of the day, it's such a joy to know, hey, I'm still going to heaven. God still forgives. I got a lot less than I deserved. He punishes us less than our iniquity deserve. And I'd have a lot worse things coming if I got what I really honestly deserved. So I'm just thankful. I'm happy as a clam. And wow, it's kind of neat when you think, a merry heart, Proverbs 17, doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. We have so much to be thankful for, but many, many Christians are miserable. Some are miserable because they're careless and they have allowed sin to get in and sin has its own punishment. A guilty conscience, a fear of who's going to discover what. I did not get drunk last night. I wanted to. The Wisconsin Badgers lost again, this time to Purdue. I was going to drown my sorrows. Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. 
right? Aren't you glad you don't have to turn to the bottle to find happiness? I didn't check out with drugs. I didn't go spend a night on the prostitutes. I didn't. Hey, why? Because I have a lot at stake. I respect my wife. I love my family. I care about the work of God. My testimony matters to me. It's not that I'm so good and all that, but some people are miserable because they've actually let sin dominate their life. And other people have become critics. And I'm saying, it's, it's to me, I, and I'm just going to say this, I love it when young people reach 14, 15, 16. And some parents are like, oh, what am I going to do? They ask the big W, why question. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Oh, my goodness, why? What do you say to them? And now I just go, hey, wonderful. You weren't really a human up until now. And finally, you got a brain and you can think for yourself. And now I can explain things to you. They found out there's people in the church that aren't perfect. Now, you know what I know. Do you have the character to stay faithful to God, knowing the worst truth about everybody else? Right? I keep my eyes on Jesus Christ. We're ministering to sinners. Hey, that's the challenge. Well, I heard about a pastor who... Hey, I knew about that. I know lots of good ones that don't do that. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, I love it when they can think and reason for themselves... But some have allowed themselves to be caught in sin, and some have allowed themselves to be caught in cynicism. And they get pretty bitter and pretty miserable and pretty critical. And they look at everything with skeptical eye. And they think, uh, everybody's just on the take. Everybody's just got ulterior motives. Everybody's just trying to take advantage of us. Listen, I'm glad I don't live on that plane. There's lots of very real, genuine Christians humbly serving the Lord. And the fact that there's a few charlatans out there doesn't shake my faith whatsoever. It's not going to steal my happiness. It's not going to steal my joy. Hey, the Bible says a broken spirit dries the bones. You think of, I like when we go to church, I like to think of it as, This is when we announce we just won the Super Bowl. What's the locker room like when everybody comes in the the locker room after they win the Super Bowl? Everybody's happy and rejoicing. They might have had some little warts and wiggles earlier. They might have argued, how come he gets to start and not me? Why did he get to carry the ball more than me? How come the quarterback didn't uh, pass the ball more to me. There's always that kind of stuff in a team setting. But when they all win the Super Bowl, they're hugging and celebrating and shooting Pepsi-Cola on each other. I sanitize that a little. <laughs> Why? Because when you're on the victory side, a lot of that minor stuff just kind of goes away, doesn't it? 
When we come to church and we sing the songs of Zion and we get to praise the Lord and give testimonies, it's just like a, a locker room of the winning team as far as I'm concerned. I, I love it. Henrietta Mears, are you proving that the Christian life is a joyful, happy thing? Do you look glad that you are a Christian? Does your life radiate joy and enthusiasm? Check yourself carefully on this before you begin to teach it to someone else. Make the Christian life contagious. It's, you know, you can imagine. I've, I've, when it says rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep, my day starts out with a guy coming over and saying, Pastor King, you know that family where the husband lost his job? Well, my wife and I were praying about it, and we bought a whole beef, 800 pounds, cut, wrapped, and frozen. And I put it in my truck, and we said, well, where are they going to start? So we just stopped and bought them a freezer. And we, we took, it, took it over to their house and plugged it in on the front porch, and filled it with meat. It was such a blessing to do that. But by midday, it's, Pastor King, I got divorce papers served on me. Can I come see you? And by nighttime, my wife says, Randy, I made stuffed peppers. It's a season for stuffed peppers. Green peppers are ripe. I know you love stuffed peppers. I made stuffed peppers for supper. What time will you be home? Right? Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to focus and say, Oh, honey, look, there's somebody in our church going through deep waters. Honey, look, I... The Bible says, the poor you have with you always. Jesus said, me you have not always with you. Pastor Nelson took me out and he said, Randy, listen, here's the ministry. There's always somebody with an aunt that's dying. There's always somebody with a wayward child. There's always somebody who lost their job. There's always somebody who has some question about the Bible. That's the constant. He said, the Bible says, take heed to thyself. And then it says, and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. It says in Timothy, take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. But both times... It's preacher, you take heed to yourself first. Make sure your relationship with God, your relationship with your family. Make sure that you're able to help people that are going through the tough times. There's always going to be that. It's not always the same person, but if you minister to people and love people, that's the constant. But somebody needs to say, hey, God can help us through this. 
with the Lord's help, he'll give us grace or he'll give us protection or deliverance. One way or the other, we're going through this with the Lord. On their part, the lost people, there's no comforter. But on our part, hey, we ride the river with the Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful to know that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Here, if you look with me, just slip over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Here's what I get to tell people. I don't have to talk about how brilliant I am or how courageous I am or how successful I am. I don't have to talk about me. I get to talk about him. I get to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I, it's not about me, my achievements, or my abilities. It's all about the Lord. And in uh, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, verse 1. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they might be that he might be glorified. Hey, hey, that's wonderful. I go to the nursing home, and there's these people, row after row of men and women, shreds of their former self, in the last months of their life, their health gone, they can't walk, they can't stand, they can't care for themselves, they soil their bedding. Many of them despairing of life. Do you think they need a message of encouragement and hope and uplifting and joy and to look past their immediate circumstance? In the Bible... Whether you have paid attention or not, there are six suicides. And wow, even when Jesus said, I go away, the disciples, read your New Testament. The disciples said, will he kill himself? They thought Jesus Christ was going to commit suicide. Yes. Why do people read every circumstance and it's always because they despair of life because of their immediate circumstance. Hey, we lost the battle. They're coming to capture me. They're going to drag me through the city and humiliate me. I'd rather fall on my sword than to go through that, right? What do you say to people? What do you say to people that are despairing of life? Well, I know it's kind of plain, but... I always say, when you're going down the toilet, grab for the rim, grab for the rim, grab for the rim. With this hand, grab the past. Your life hasn't been all failure. It hasn't all been bad. Everything isn't, you're not hated by everybody. And with this hand, grab the future. Hey, it doesn't always have to be this way. Things come to pass. 
you could have a bright and happy and successful future. You could have the grace of God get you through this. If you just stare at the immediate circumstance, yes, you'll despair of life. But if you look at the much bigger picture, I mean, look, if there's anything discouraging, stare in the mirror for 10 minutes. Hey, the outward man perishes. The inward man's renewed day by day. Amen? And I'm saying, hey, the joy of the Lord, I, I'm there. I don't have to say to the old people, hey, listen, God will bless you if you mow my lawn. I can get nothing from them. Nothing. There's no reciprocity. There's no payback. There's no ulterior motive. But I can encourage them. Thank you for being in the house of God, even at this stage of life. Thank you for looking to the Lord, even when you're going through the deepest uh, uh, circumstances you ever had. Thank you for being an encouragement that you pray for the Christians and pray for your pastor and your church. Thank you for being faithful to want to hear the Bible preached, even in the last stages of life. You're an encouragement to me. And I'm saying, hey, somebody, somebody, I mean, this is embarrassing. But we had a young guy in our church, and, and thank you for young guys, but this guy was two sandwiches short of a picnic. And he said, I want to preach. I want to preach. Maybe I could preach at rest home. Fine. This is a rest home I've been preaching in for 10 years. This is a rest home where I know the director. I know the shift supervisor. I know the nursing staff that's on in the evening when we're having this. We sing. It's time for Henry, not his real name, to preach. He's at a rest home. He stands up and says, listen, I want to just read you one verse. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Now, number one, I think, boy, you are incredibly stupid. <laughs> right? I mean, what... What possible difference does it make at this stage? <laughs> right? I, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Oh, but we are nowhere near the depth of his stupidity. <laughs> he says, listen, you people, you know why you're stuck here? I'll tell you why you're stuck here. Because your kids don't love you. You know why? Because you're a failed parent. Don't sit here and weep and cry. Don't give me your tears. This is the reaping and the sowing. You're going to reap what you sow. And your kids don't come and visit you. And there you are in loneliness. Well, don't come crying to me. If you'd have raised your kids right, you wouldn't be going through this. Now, this is in our Rest home service. The director was sitting in the back row, stood up, 
walked forward and said, this service is over. Randy, you're never coming back. You brought this guy. And we were never permitted there again. Hey, I'm only saying, look, people need to hear a better message than that. When When you're 80 years old and in a wheelchair and you haven't seen your kids for four years, do you need somebody to rub salt in the wound and give you a life of condemnation? And I'm, listen, I'm saying, (laughs) somebody's got to say, hey, thank you for coming. Hey, God bless you. Hey, the Lord will hear your prayer. Somebody's got to wheel them back to their room and kneel beside them and weep with them. Right? And I'm just saying, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't be a miserable pup. Don't make people miserable around you. Wow, there's some people... I get, you know, Eeyore, he's got this cloud. There's that pig pen. Who is it that's? I want to run. I want to run when I see you come. I want to go someplace else. I'm not going to let you steal my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How can I help anyone if I don't have joy? Look with me, if you will, Isaiah 51. Now I know you guys get all this, but I just want to encourage you. The singing, the music, the testimonies, uh, your demeanor, your spirit, your attitude. Verse 11 of Isaiah 51. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Yeah, there's problems. Wow, I'm the first to acknowledge it. The district attorney in our county, a lost Catholic man, came to our church for Blue and White Sunday two or three times in a row. And he liked it and he'd stay for the meal and the patriotic music and one day his secretary called me and said pastor king the district attorney wouldn't want to have me call you but i know you're his friend you've been in here and you prayed with him he had had a case where a minor girl wanted to get an abortion and her parents didn't want it and it went up to the courts and he was going to have to rule on it. And he's a Roman Catholic that was against abortion and he was looking at the laws and he calls Pastor King and says, hey, I'm not sure what to do here, but would you pray with me? Now, that's a pretty sacred trust in a very, very, very intimate moment, right? And then he ruled that she wasn't permitted to get the abortion. He says, I don't care. Go to a higher court. I'm not going to stand before God Almighty and say, I recommended this minor child get an abortion, which I was very thankful for. 
but that galvanized our friendship. But he had a baby born, a newborn baby, and it had a hole in its heart, and it hung between life and death, and this hole was spurting blood into the body cavity. Right? Filled up the pericardium. It was putting pressure on the heart. The baby was rushed into emergency surgery in Madison, Wisconsin, an hour and a half from my house. And the secretary calls me and says, I think you'd want to know this. Their baby is in fragile condition, being rushed into emergency surgery at the university hospital. I drove down there. It's one o'clock in the morning. I go through the labyrinth of that hospital, find the intensive care or emergency surgery waiting room. And there the baby was just being wheeled into surgery. And there in a completely dark waiting room with just a window looking into that neonatal intensive care unit. And I stepped into the room and I said, Joe, can I pray with you? Right? As far as they knew, that was the last time they would see their baby alive. Now, right? I'm helpless. I'm not, but I could ask God to come on the scene. I could ask God to sweep in and be the hero. I could ask God to give them grace and understanding. I could ask God to guide the surgeon's hands, and I did. Well, as God worked it all out, the baby lived. Two years later, here he is with his wife and the baby sitting in her service. And he just stands up after one of the songs and said, Pastor King, could I say a word? He comes to the pulpit and says, I want you to know I'm Roman Catholic. I'm not a member of this church. But there's one person that I know loves me. And he said, if on February 18th, two years ago, one of you or your family got neglected, it wasn't because Pastor King was sleeping. He drove to Madison. My priest didn't. None of my family were there. But in the worst day of my life, Randy King was there and he prayed with me and sat with me and bought me breakfast while we waited for my baby to come out of that surgery. And he says, I just want you to know, he's not neglecting you. He was taking care of somebody else because I'm a member of your flock. Now he wasn't. But you understand what I'm saying? Somebody's got to be on the top side. Somebody's got to be available. Somebody's got to genuinely care. But hey, hey, it's not that I could fix anything. But I do have the joy of the Lord. It's nice to point people to Jesus. It's wonderful to say, hey, uh, he's given us the oil of gladness. And you would think they would look at you and I know, you don't sing songs to them that are of a heavy heart. You don't laugh and giggle when they're having the best. But... There's got to be somebody who says, you know, God's grace is sufficient. He'll, he'll get you through this, I promise. 
I've ridden the river with him. I've been through deep, 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 deep waters, and I've seen him sweep in. And if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you too. How wonderful to carry a message like that. What a wonderful thing to be an upper, not a downer. There was a girl who was totally blind. She had been an infant with sight and had a horrible accident and was blinded. Lived to be over 90 years old, became a saint of the American church and wrote many hymns and choruses named Fanny Crosby. But when she was an eight-year-old little girl, she wrote this poem, Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind. I cannot and I won't. The joy of the Lord, folks, is our strength. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. We all take our turns suffering. We all take our turns with challenges. We all have enough blessings to keep us encouraged, but enough challenges to keep us humble. But God drives us to our knees when we need his extra grace. We need his comfort. We need him to meet our needs when we're lonely. Needs him to give strength when we suffer great loss. But when the world looks at you, do they see a Christian that says, hey, God's been mighty good to me. I'm mighty happy in the Lord. I have a bright future. I have a wonderful life. He's been mighty good to me. The measure of health I have is by his grace alone. And I'm praising him. You're here tonight and you say, I am a happy Christian. And I'm, no, it's all because of what the Lord's done for me. Yes, I've had challenges, but I'm a happy Christian. Would you just slip your hand up? I'm a happy Christian. I'm mighty glad for the goodness of God to me. He's been mighty good to me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. you may put your hands down. How many would say just in the quietness of this moment, Right at this time, Pastor King, I'm facing a challenge, a burden, a hurt, a loss, a bewilderment. I, I'm going through the difficult time right now, and I need God's extra help just for me. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying right now, I, I need the help, and I would love to have the prayers of the Christians. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see three hands, four hands, five hands. Listen, thank you for being honest. I wouldn't hurt you for the world. But you're not alone. We're with you. We're for you. Heavenly Father, you've seen the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, I love these folks. But Lord, they need to know that we don't stay under the circumstances. Lord, our eyes are upon thee. You said that you'll give us beauty for ashes. 
the oil of gladness, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Help us to see that, especially for these precious ones who are going through a difficulty right in this season. It won't always be that way. But for them right now, would they know that we hear and understand and kneel with them through their trial? But Lord, help this not be their identity. Help this be just an experience where a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, they can just praise you for how you've blessed, how you've helped. For those that are on the top side right now, for those that are walking in victory right now, would you help them to have an ounce of kindness and care and passion and love Lord, that they would see that, hey, someday they may be the one needing the prayer, the undergirding, the support, and so that right now they would be available to console, to comfort, to direct. Lord, you've been mighty good to me. I want to just pause and praise you. Thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Pastor.